0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Character. And yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank
1: you team for leading Common Ground. You may have a seat. And in light of all that we just sang about, uh, declaring just the amazing nature of the gospel that Jesus Christ bled his love, laid down his life for us, and then was raised to life to give us life, uh, now we just approach him in prayer. And so this is a time in our service that we set aside for prayer for the purpose of approaching God's throne. Jesus has given us access to the very throne room of God to bring to him our our praises, our requests, um, to bring to him anything that we feel the need to bring to him. And it's also an opportunity for us to be authentic with one another, um, to share the requests, to share the praises, to share what's going on in our lives so that we can pray for one another and so that we can meet those needs as a church family. And so hopefully... As we are going through the month of August, you still have your little prayer cards. uh, As we recorded little prayers for if Common Ground Church was going to pray for me for the entire month of August, what would I want prayer for? And many of you wrote down requests, and then we distributed them. We were supposed to distribute them for two weeks, but some of you just really wanted to pray for one another, and so you took multiple. Some of you took many. And so hopefully, you still have those, and you're praying for one another. But I would just encourage you, let this be a reminder, um, to pray for those little requests. And hopefully this will be something that will continue to make a practice of writing down these requests, recording it, and then lifting one another up in prayer every day of the week. And so it's an opportunity for us to be authentic with one another, and it's an opportunity for us to be active in worship. Um, A lot of what we do here is we sit and we listen and we sing, but this is an opportunity for us to participate. One of you even gets to run around a microphone, which, Ray, do you still have? (laughs) So one of you can run around the microphone if Ray doesn't want to do it, to take requests there. And we get to be active in worship here as God just invites us to come before him. And so it's during this time that I want to open up the floor for prayer requests. If there's something that you would like prayer for, if there's something you'd like to share that you're praising God for, please share that so that we could join you in praise.
2: Hi, I'm Ted. This is on. This is on. <laughs> no? Okay. Anyway, um, we lost a good friend to a drowning last week, and we know where he is. He's a, a he's very, very faithful. He's a true believer. Um, we just pray for the rest of his family for their comfort and peace. He was a uh, newlywed. He'd only been married about a mm-hmm. year and a couple months. His birthday was yesterday. It's tragic for the family, but yeah. he's in a great spot. He's mm-hmm. he's healed now. Um, also, there was some tragedy at Knollwood Apartments. Uh, someone was shot there, and the, one of the bullets went through a wall. Anyway, the kids up there are struggling. They need our prayers, too. They they are going through a lot. They're seeing mm-hmm. a lot that they just should not be seeing right now. And then, on a good note, I'm thankful for the dozen bikers that were here last week, mm-hmm. to be able to spend some time with them. Um It was nice. Yeah. It was just a very nice time. And I'm thankful for this place and all of the support that all of you offer for the Showered with Hope project. And just support to hold each other up. I got to learn about a lot of people last week sitting with Joey, talking to him. That was awesome. (laughs) I probably wouldn't have done that without a bunch of bikers here. So (laughs) I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed by this place. So thanks well thank
1: you ted thank you for hosting and thank you common ground church for those of you who hosted um, some of the biker missionaries that came in from pennsylvania and just opened up your home and we're so generous in that way i would add to that that pray for them now as they drive out and so that team left yesterday morning to drive back to murray'sville pennsylvania outside of pittsburgh so they've got a long drive ahead of them pray for safety pray for rest um, because they really did a lot of great work here as they worked the rally passing out bibles and as they then came and met with us every week or every day of the night, it seems like we were getting together with them. And it was awesome to see them as, as you knew that they were tired from standing out in the heat and having conversations and handing out Bibles all day. And then they still had the energy to spend time with many of us, to be able to share stories, to be able to encourage us to be missionaries where we live as well. So pray for that team as they head out. And again, thank you Common Ground for hosting. I know that they were really impacted by your generosity for those of you that hosted. So pray for that team as they head out. Judy.
3: Um, I just want to remind everyone about the Alliance Magazine, Alliance Life it's called, and it has a lot of good information in about what's going
0: on internationally, and it gave statistics for 2021. There were 722 international workers serving Mm. among 150 people groups in more than 150 cities. So we need Mm. to pray for them and learn more about what they're doing.
1: Yeah, that's a good reminder, Judy. Thanks for reminding us of the bigger family we're a part of.
3: Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Corinne. Um, So next Sunday, a few of us from the School of Mines won't be at Church in the Park, unfortunately. Uh, We will be at the... Uh, orientation worship service that the campus ministries at Mines hold every year Mm -hmm. Um, so please keep us in your prayers as we're putting on that service for the new freshmen Uh, pray that we would be bold in Mm -hmm. uh, just getting to know new people and letting them know that they're welcome on our campus
4: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah, we're really excited for the work that you guys all do, whether it be InterVarsity, Campus Ventures, um, that you guys do on the campus. So we're going to be praying for that event.
3: Yeah. Hello, my name is Joey. Uh, some of you may know that uh, me and Lindsay uh, had both of our brothers here this summer, my brother and her brother, um, working summer jobs here. And they, um, with Stephen, my brother, leaving yesterday, are approaching empty nesters, nester status. Um, <laughs> Yes, yes. In jest, of course. But um, I just want to say, praise God for the mm. summer that we had with them, because like, what a unique opportunity that both my brother and my brother-in-law got to be here. Um, we got to spend a lot of good time together. I got to know my brother-in-law a lot. Mm. Um, got to know my brother as an adult a lot as well. Um, but now, I just as they go back to school, I just like to pray for them as they both are in their senior years now and got a lot of deciding about what is in their lives for the next few years, so just pray for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: great. It's really good to get to know them while they're here. Hopefully, we get to see them again. So, Daniel. Hey, my name is Daniel. Thank you so much for praying for Kellen. He is home. Um, he is discharged from the ICU. Yeah. Uh, so, um, definitely, definitely a miracle. Um, mm. But just thank you for modern medicine uh thanks for god's care but continue to pray for the parents um especially melissa um still i think still some anger there and some hurt but kellen is home and um he went fishing this week so (laughs) life is good oh that's awesome praise god thanks for sharing that update
0: Hi, my name is Antonia. I would like to ask for prayers for my grandma. Um, She is uh, nearing the end. She's not really eating or drinking that much anymore. And um, it's taking a lot of medicine for them to keep her um, out of pain as um, the cancer um, takes its final tolls. So just prayers for her. Um, She's a believer, so she Mm -hmm. will be okay. Um, Prayers for all of her eight kids. (laughs) Um, They are um, taking turns, um, taking shifts, being with her at her bedside, and then staying with my mom and her brother, who are the closest kids living um, in the area. Um, And they're having a really hard time with it. So just Mm -hmm. prayers for my family, please.
1: Thanks for sharing that.
3: to ask for prayer for carrie um he went Mm -hmm. in the hospital but he has complications so he's gonna have to be in um healing for a lot longer than he thought Mm -hmm. he would be and that's tough so
1: yeah yeah pray for carrie schmidt this week he had a a surgery not go as well as planned and so his recovery is going to be long so pray for him pray for mary she cares for him
3: You probably don't want to give me the mic.
1: (laughs) Is this about Ray? (laughs) Okay. Um,
3: Speaking of surgeries, my younger sister has um, fairly major surgery on Tuesday. And um, just praying that she will have a speedy recovery. I'll be going out and staying with my mom for three nights. And um, so just lift that. My sister up in prayer. And our son... Had surgery on Friday to repair a torn meniscus. I guess he won't be disc golfing for a little while. <laughs> um, and their their family's kind of going through a rough time. My daughter-in-law did something yesterday and injured her her hip. And they've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, to, yeah. and they can't run around <laughs> and chase them right now. <laughs> so lift up lift up their family. <laughs>
1: man we'll lift them up and we'll lift up you too and you too christina because just the way that you guys care for your family is really beautiful and i know it takes a lot out of you so praying for energy and strength for you well if that is all for this morning ray thanks again for running that microphone around um then hopefully uh you wrote some of those down or if one of them stuck out to you i would just encourage you To revisit that this week, or maybe just um, to focus in your heart and minds as we pray right now on that one. But with that, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. And so, Father God, we come before you. I'm just thankful. Thankful for the fact that you are a God who knows what we need even before we ask, but yet you are the God who invites us to come before you because you are the God. Um, who's invited us to be in relationship with you. And we just thank you for that. We recognize just the great beauty and privilege that it is to be in relationship with you. And God, we just thank you um, with bated breath for the fact that Ted's friend now is in your presence. And as this tragedy happened this week, we just thank you for Ted's perspective of knowing that the things his friend suffered through, he no longer suffers from. But now, God, he is he's fully in your presence and fully healed of those things and god i just pray for his family pray for ted and all those who knew him that you would be near to them in this process of grief that you'd be near to them right now would you just bring back um, so many memories of this friend we pray for his his wife as they had just gotten married god would you just be close to her now as she moves on in life without her husband here but god we just praise you again for the work that you've done that we know that the death is not the end, but that we have hope of an eternity with you and God, we pray for the knollwood apartments as ted has mentioned i um, a situation that seems so hopeless just so many kids going through stuff that they Should not have to go through god. We know that it breaks your heart And would you continue to make our hearts soft to see these things in the world that are not right To come to you about them and to do things to change them god Would you just empower us to be a people who work? as citizens of your kingdom, to to live out your kingdom values, to bring your kingdom to this earth, even if it doesn't look like it, God. Would you just make us a people um, who bring your kingdom near? Would you empower us by your Holy Spirit to interact with people that go through tough situations like this with a posture of hope, with help, and God, just with the sensitivity of your spirit to comfort and to care for people that go through these things that seem so unfair, God. So we just pray for that apartment complex, for all those people involved. And God, we thank you. We thank you for Pastor Dan and the team from Murraysville Alliance Church. God, as they distributed Bibles here in our community, now we trust you with the results. We know that those Bibles are going to go all around the country, all around the world, some of them staying around here in our community. And we believe it's your word, and so would you just be working through those situations? Would you be working in every single heart and mind that received a Bible? God, would you welcome back that mauriceville team to pittsburgh with their church um, just with rest with comfort with a reminder of how important the work that they did was god would you just continue to encourage them in the work that they do and i just thank you uh, for letting us be a part of that i just thank you for the many people here in common ground that sacrificially gave in order to host people in their homes um, to to make meals, to take out to meals, and just to give time um, to these people who are from out of town. I just thank you for the generosity of this church. And would you continue to make us a people who are generous? Would you continue to make us a people that that prioritize missions with our time, with our finances, with all of the gifts that you've given us? And God, we just pray now um, for the results of their work here at the rally. As they head home, keep them safe, keep them encouraged. And would you show them some fruit, As they have scattered seeds, God, we trust you with the results now. We trust you with the results. And God, we just um, think about international workers all around the world, Alliance missionaries that are seeking to take the light of your gospel to even the darkest parts of the world. Would you just help us to see um, how it is that you're calling us to support them, how it is you're calling us to partner with them in this important work that they're doing. Put them on our hearts and minds this week. And also on our hearts and minds, God, this campus worship event, that's next week. Um, we just see the work that you do at the School of Mines um, as this is such a pivotal point in these students' lives for them to be grasped by you, for them to be welcomed into community, for their lives to be changed. And so I just ask for prayer for Corinne, for Justin, for all of the team at University and Campus Ventures as they meet together to worship you, to welcome new students. Would you be front and center? Would you be front and center during that time? And would you be working at South Dakota School of Mines? And God, as Joey and Lindsay's brothers have moved on, we just praise you for the opportunity they had um, to be able to share a house with their younger brothers here, to be able to, to get to know them, to rally around family in that way. Um, and now, God, as they move out, well, we just pray for them in this next season as so many decisions, so many different life circumstances um, seem to be up in the air, We ask that you give direction. We ask that you direct. And God, we praise you for the healing work that you've done in Kellen's life, that he's home, that he's healed, that he's able to go out and enjoy the things like fishing. Um, But God, even as this healing has taken place, um, we just pray for the parents. We pray for all who are involved, who might have a sense of anger in light of what happened. And so, God, I just pray that you would lead them and direct them would you even be in their emotions to to direct to what to do with this anger, to, to direct on, on how to process this situation, God? So many times it seems unclear of, of what do we do. Do we hold accountable? Do we just celebrate in this moment? And so I just ask that you would speak to them in this situation. God, we just pray for Antonia's grandma, for this season where it appears that she is nearing the end of her life, God, would you just be working in her family's life as they seek to care for her? And would you maximize these moments that they have with her mother, with her grandmother? Would you just bring them closer together as a family during this time? I just thank you for Antonia's perspective of just reminding us that the hope that we have, would you just empower her to continue to be a light in her family? Continue to empower her to just be someone who speaks your truth, even in these hard situations, God. And God, we pray for Carrie and Mary Schmidt as Carrie recovers from his surgery. Um, again, we, we ask for healing in this unfortunate situation. We ask that you would continue to encourage them as, as the care seems hard, as he's not able to use his leg, God. Would you be near? Would you put them on our hearts and minds that we would reach out to them, that we would talk to them? God, remind me this week. And would you help us to care for them as as the recovery now seems so much longer than they thought and god we just thank you for people in our midst who care for those who are recovering like ray and sally we just thank you for the testimony that they are of what it looks like to be your hands and feet and so now as they seek to be their your hands and feet to her sister to caleb to their granddaughters i ask for strength for encouragement for energy and just for hope in so many of these situations, God. I just thank you for Ray and Sally. Would you continue to empower them to be the grandparents, the parents, the siblings that you've called them to be? And would you encourage all of us to take that example and to be your hands and feet in our families as well? And so, God, we just lift up their family members as they recover, as they have surgery. Would you keep them safe? And God, now as we turn to your word, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for being a God who has invited us into relationship with you, who invites us to come before your throne for hearing us. And so now, God, we ask that you would work. We ask that you would work through these prayers we have prayed. We ask that you would work through your word that we will look at today. And would this not just be more information, but God, would you use this to bring us closer to yourself, to make us more like yourself? And to take your gospel to the world And we'll trust you in that and so jesus we love you. It's in your name that we pray amen Amen. Well, thank you for joining us in prayer And now i'm going to invite you To pull out or turn on your bibles and find your way to matthew chapter 6 Because we will be starting in verse 25 today as we continue on in the sermon on the mount as we look at this condensed collection of some of jesus's most well-known teachings we are now in verse 25 and we will be looking through this little section from 25 to 34 as we seek to live as citizens of god's kingdom we see all of these different areas of our lives in which jesus speaks into in which jesus offers his help in which jesus reminds us that we're not alone here but that we have his holy spirit empowering us to be like him to be with him and to live out his kingdom here on earth and so today that's where we will be is verse 25 through 34 and i want to just start off before we get any further with reading this passage and the words will be on the screen as well so follow along with me matthew chapter 6 verse 25 Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow it is thrown into the fire, he will not will he not more much more clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its own trouble, or has enough trouble of its own. So today, we are talking about worry and anxiety, and it seems pretty simple enough, right? As Jesus says, just don't do it, right? Just don't worry. But I don't think it's quite that simple, is it? Uh, I know for myself, I do worry about a lot of things. Um, this last week, I was a little worried about going to Sturgis with the bikers. That was kind of nerve-wracking for me. Never done that before. It's during this season that I'm a little worried about having a baby in a few months. And all that you have to do with that, I have never really been around babies. I've never changed a diaper. I've heard it's kind of like a potted plant. You just have to give them food, water, and change them. But <laughs> if... Our baby has our complexion. I'm really worried about sunlight in this time. Do you put it under a girl light? Things like that make me worry. And as I was planning to teach on this very subject, I'm reading these words where Jesus says, do not worry about anything, and I find myself worrying about what I'm going to say about this. I find myself worrying about how to communicate this. But clearly, in Jesus' teaching here, the anxiety-ridden life I don't think is the life that he has for us. It's not the life that God has for us. And Jesus is speaking into it, this for us. But I know as we all kind of chuckle at the idea of, oh, just stop worrying, that doesn't happen. I know that we all recognize that anxiety, that worry, that fear is a real part of many of our lives. In fact, we know that we live in what is, what some call, one of the most anxious times in all of human history, Right? that we're essentially right now facing a bit of a crisis when it comes to fear and anxiety in our world and our culture today. Social workers, psychologists in every state have reported that they are simply unable to keep up with the demand for mental health services, and so they're often having to turn people away. Children especially are very underserved in this. Um, One therapist said that all therapists I know have experienced a demand for therapy that is like nothing I have ever experienced before. This is Tom LaCusa. He's a lic- licensed clinical social worker in Longmeadow, Massachusetts. He said, every available time slot I have is filled. It's been well documented that anxiety disorders, which is a big category of different things, um, are the, fa- the most common mental health in- illness across the United States. And numbers just continue to increase. Currently, over 40 million adults every year are diagnosed with one of these anxiety disorders, which makes up over 19% of the population. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, though anxiety disorders are highly treatable, only about 36% of those suffering ever actually receive treatment, with the average person who receives treatment suffering for at least 10 years before actually seeking treatment. And people with anxiety disorders are five times more likely to need treatment for other physical ailments than those who do not suffer from anxiety. Things like eating disorders, fibromyalgia, migraines, IBS, sleep disorders, substance abuse. And I could go on and on and on, but I think many of us start hearing this, and even just knowing all of that causes a bit of worry, a bit of anxiety, doesn't it? And I share this and a few of these statistics because... One, if you're not a person who has ever really struggled with anxiety before, I need you to recognize that there are a lot of people who do, and that this is a serious problem that is happening right now. And many of you probably have experienced, whether it just be some acute situational anxiety, or maybe this has been affecting you for a long time, um, but you've recognized this, you've experienced this, and you know that this is indeed a problem. And for you, you're probably wondering, well, what does jesus have to say about that what does the bible have to say about my anxiety and so today as i attempt to walk through what jesus teaches on this where he just it seems so simply where he just says do not worry um, i just want to put a preference at the very beginning and recognize that there's some of us who are very familiar with this some of us who are not But either way, I think we all have to recognize that the church hasn't always done the best job at helping with anxiety or worry. (laughs) Someone had to say it. (laughs) But we haven't always done the best job. Uh, Many of us, very well-meaning, have probably said things that we shouldn't say to someone struggling with anxiety. Uh, And many of us, maybe we have struggled with it, and this well-meaning sign um, is essentially what we've experienced, right? Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. And so I think even as well-meaning Christians, as we seek to want to help others, I just want to give us two unhelpful postures or unhelpful responses to anxiety, to fear, to worry before we move on. And the first one, the first thing that I would say is just not the most helpful response, is just have faith. Um, Just have faith and you'll be fine. Like, I realize there might be a kernel of truth in there, because as we read this passage, it seems to say that Jesus just says, hey, don't worry, just have faith in God's provision. And Jesus' way of speaking authoritatively about this issue, I think, can lead us to want to oversimplify as well. Just have faith. All your fears and anxieties will go away. Um, But I really want us to see how, if that is our only response, if we are just going to say to ourselves, say to others, just have faith, that in so many cases... All that does is mocks or belittles the fear, the anxiety, the situation that a person is going through. And even worse, in some moments that can even condemn someone. That can even be essentially a statement of, well, because you have this, you don't have faith. And let me remind all of us that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane experienced a very intense moment of fear and anxiety, and no one had more faith, no one trusted God more than him in that moment. So just have faith, not a helpful response. Also not very helpful is, it's just the way I am, or it's just the way the situation is going to be. Now this is just the way that it is. And I really think this is an unhelpful response to say to ourselves or to say for others, because this is just adopting the worldview of determinism. This is just the way it's going to be. I'm going to struggle. Just leave me alone. And of course, we do have to recognize that there are so many situations in which some of us are genetically predisposed to anxiety, to fear, to these things, and some of the situations that have happened to us have been what has led to it. But, as with any illness, as with any thorn or thistle, any result of the curse, any result of living in a world that has been broken by sin, we recognize that healing is possible. We recognize that nothing is out of reach for Jesus. And I think this is an unhelpful response because I think this just puts all of the change on ourself. And I think Jesus' invitation here is that nothing is out of his reach. Is that maybe this is something that Jesus could heal, but I don't think just losing hope and recognizing this is just the way it is is a helpful response. And so just from the start, I would say these are two things that sometimes there can be a kernel of truth in, But as Jesus addresses this topic here, I think he has something to say that's very different than these two responses. And I think as Jesus addresses this idea of fear, worries, anxieties, I really think there are three main points that we can pull out of this. And I think in this teaching, Jesus provides us, one, with his perspective. And I think he invites us to see our situations, our lives, through his perspective. This is just something he has given us. I think he encourages us in this passage to worry like a bird. To worry like a bird. And that speaks for itself. And then Jesus says to seek his kingdom first. To seek his kingdom first. So that's where we're going to be looking at today as we look at this passage. What does Jesus have to say about my fears, about my worries, about my, my anxieties? And the first thing I think we see in this passage that we had just read is that Jesus gives us his perspective. And the perspective is that you have a Father who is with you and who loves you. You have a Father who is with you and who loves you. Now, so much of Jesus' teaching all throughout the New Testament, but especially here in the Sermon on the Mount, is about perspective. It's about seeing the world the way that he sees it. It's about seeing ourselves the way that he sees us. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's about seeing everything with Jesus' perspective. And here, so much of what is teaching here is about, I think is about opening our eyes to the heavenly perspective. Especially because when we get trapped in, I think, kind of the, the swirl of anxiety and worry, where we are hyper-focused on one situation that is just causing us so much worry, what Jesus is offering us is to have his perspective, to break out of that small hyper-focus and to be able to see what he sees. And he does this by just reminding us, making us aware that our life itself is a miracle of the generosity of God. And he just talks about how you have a Father. He's providing for you. Over and over he says those things. In one sentence he says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Right? Jesus is reminding us, well, God is, you're worried about food, you're worried about clothes. God has given you a body. He has given you life. And so... To see your life through the heavenly perspective, recognize that God has provided these big, massive things. The miracle of life is much bigger than providing a little food. And the fact that you have legs, that's a much harder thing to pull off than making you some pants. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if your God has provided you these things, then the perspective that we're able to have is that he's a God who's with us, who provides for us. And when the temptation becomes to worry about these little things, he offers us his perspective. He offers us his eyes to see the situation. And what Jesus says here is that if our eyes are opened to a heavenly perspective, then we can even look at the simple things. We can even look at grass, at flowers, at birds. And he's essentially saying that you could walk around and see grass and be reminded that God loves you and is with you and cares for you. I have to recognize that I'm not always someone that sees the grass and is reminded that God cares for me, that he's with me. But this is the perspective that Jesus is offering us, right? That if God has created us and if he's cared for us in all these different ways, then this is a perspective we can have to have hope for the future, that he is the God who's going to continue to be with us who will continue to provide for us, even in those situations that we're worried about. And Jesus anchors this on this statement. Are you not much more valuable than they? When he talks about caring, about birds, about flowers, about grass, are you not much more valuable than they? And this is honestly one of those lines I tend to just move right past. I tend to just fly by. But I get the sense that If you have been struggling with worry, fear, anxiety, or maybe that God is not close to you, would you not fly by that line? Would you just recognize that you have a God who is with you, who cares for you, who values you? Jesus says we can have this perspective, that when we are trapped, unable to think about anything else, he gives us his perspective to see all that he's doing, to see that he's with us, to see that he's providing for us. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's this really interesting story that's all about perspective. Um, It's about how God was speaking to Elisha the prophet. um, And at the time, the king of Syria was at war with Israel, but God was using Elisha basically like an undercover spy. Whenever the king of Syria would move his army to one city and plan to attack that city or plan to attack these people, God would tell Elisha about that so that they were able to move defenses, so that they were able to set up a sneak attack. Um, The king of Syria was really mad about this. Um, He was just thinking, if I lay on my bed and think about what I'm going to do, God is going to tell Elisha about that? How is that fair? And so he made the plan to go and to attack Elisha. He's going to attack the one that hears the war plans from God, right? Great idea. And so he gets together this whole army, goes after him. And he goes after Elisha with this big army. And I'll read the rest of the story to you here in verse 15. So the king of Syria is coming to attack Elisha. It says, When the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Okay, so the servant is experiencing a bit of anxiety. What are we going to do? He's totally freaking out. And he's facing a real problem. This is not imaginary. This is a real problem to be scared of. And Elisha says, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I'm sure the servant was thinking at this point, like, okay, there's me and there's you. One plus one is two, Elisha. There are not more of us than more of them. But then... Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. One, this is like a crazy story, but I love it because here's this army. Wanting to come after Elisha, they said, oh, you kept us from destroying that city. We're going to get you. Elisha just prays, God, make them blind. Boom, blind. Takes care of it. And the story actually ends then with Elisha like leading this enemy army basically to the the Israelite army so that they could take care of them. You'll have to read that part. But the point is, if this is a story about perspective, the point is that there was so much happening that Elisha and his servant could not see that God was doing. They were in a situation that looked hopeless. They were in a situation full of fear, full of worry. But this is the perspective that Jesus reminded us of as well, that God is with us, that he's our provider, that he's our protector, that there is more going on than we can see. And especially when we get trapped in that hyper-focus of worry about this situation, I think what Jesus offers us is his perspective. Psalm 23, verse 4 says that even though i walk through the valley through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me and i know this is a well-known verse but it's well known for a reason that we could be walking through the darkest valley fear anxiety inducing situation but there's something that we can't see and that is that god is with us and we don't have to be afraid Because of this And this really I think is the power of god's perspective and this is what jesus is offering us to open our eyes To open our eyes to see The god who's with us and who provides for us so I think Whenever we face Situations that might cause fear worry Would you simply pray the same prayer that elisha prayed would you ask god god open my eyes? And help me to see your perspective. God, help me to see what you might be doing in all of this. Because all I can see is this army coming for me. All I can see is this situation that's bothering me. All I can see is this conflict at work. All I can see is this situation. But God, help me to see what you are doing. Help me to have your perspective. Help me to see that you are the one who is with me and providing for me. So that's Jesus' perspective that he offers. I think the second thing that Jesus says to us in the face of fear and anxiety in this passage is worry like a bird. So in verse 6, Jesus says this. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single day or or had a single hour to your life, okay? So Jesus is not saying that birds are unable to die from starvation. He is saying that birds do what birds are made to do. They don't sit around and just analyze everything and worry about stuff. They do bird things. They just always seem to be doing bird things and bird stuff, right? They do what they're made to do. And so we, we need to worry like a bird, because a bird doesn't worry if it will find food it simply goes out and finds it and what jesus is saying here i think is that worry and fear is counterproductive right it's not actually helpful and jesus is wanting to move us towards you know an unconscious childlike faith where we just follow him and all that he calls us to do and if you remember what the Sermon on the Mount is here, it's basically like your introduction for a bunch of new Jesus followers. And what he's going to call them to later on are some pretty scary situations where he's going to send them out on mission, where he is going to send them out to, to expand the gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And they're going to have to trust him in that. But the worry, the fear can cause us to freeze can cause us to hide out and to not go where he calls us to go. And so he says here, worry like a bird, right? If we're meant to be with God, to be like God, to do what he did, well, then this fear, this worry, this anxiety, it can get in the way of that. It's not helpful. It's not actually productive. It was Martin Lloyd-Jones who says that worry about the future cripples us in the present. Not only is it not helpful for the future, but it ruins today. It ruins today. I think this is what Jesus is getting at here, as he encourages us and as he speaks in to our situation. Now, this word that in the NIV here says worry, and some of your versions might translate as anxious or anxiety, um, is the Greek verb merimeneo. Um, it's an old Greek verb, which is often translated to worry, to have anxiety, to be concerned. Um, but it's literally it literally means to be divided or distracted. Or one dictionary described it as it's being pulled apart. And if you've ever experienced anxiety, fear, worry before, then you know that this does capture a lot of what that experience is like, right? It's like we need to focus on one thing, but our mind is elsewhere. It's like we're pulled apart. It's like we're divided. And I know that many of us, we have seen this play out where we've had maybe our work suffer because we were divided. Our mind was somewhere else. Or we're trying to have a conversation with one person and another conversation is what is actually on the forefront of our mind. It's like we're not where we currently are. We're not present, right? When I'm anxious, like, I get forgetful. Um... I will walk into the kitchen thinking I'm going to grab something, but my mind was on something else. I was just spinning my wheels there, and then I'm in the kitchen wondering, wait, what am I even doing in here? What was I looking for again? The other day, Lena asked me to grab her a cup of water, and I was kind of anxious, nervous about something, and so I walk over, grab the water, I just chugged it, and then I just, I put it back on the counter and walked back into the kitchen, and she's sitting there thinking, what? I just asked you for water, why did you do that? I was divided. I was anxious. My mind was somewhere else. But this is what Jesus is reminding us of and giving us his perspective on Of This is the situation that we face. And so we're called to worry like a bird. We're called to be present in the work that we're doing. Because this worry here, it's not productive. It's not helpful. He says, it doesn't add a day to your life, or you can't even add any time to your life. And I think this is really important because even oftentimes... Our fears, our anxieties, not only are they not productive or not helpful, but sometimes, especially for myself, they're not always even accurate. The things that I worry about are not always even things I should worry about in the first place. See, a couple years ago, Walter Calvert of the National Science Foundation conducted a survey in which thousands of people were interviewed about their perception of worry in their lives, and what he found and what he says is that only about 8% of what we worry about actually comes true. And so it's kind of broken down like this, as he did his survey. He said 30% of our worries are about events in the past that we can't change anyway. 40% of the things that we worry about never actually happen, vast majority of them. 12% of our worries are unfounded health concerns. 10% of our worries are minor or trivial issues. And only about 8% of our worries are real or legitimate issues. Real or legitimate issues. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. How the devil's main way of coming after humanity is not with a sword. It's not with violence. It's not actually with a lot of these problems, chariots coming at us. But it's with lies, right? That's how he came at Eve, with a lie, with a suggestion. And so much of our fears, anxieties in this world, I think, come from these lies. These lies we tell ourselves. These lies that we believe these lies of the worst-case scenario coming right at us when what has actually been found is that most of them are not actually true. And so not only is this not going to be beneficial, but it's not always even accurate. And this is what Jesus is reminding us here. And again, Jesus reminds us, um, anxiety is not productive for those problems. It doesn't always help you to solve them. And it doesn't add time to your life either, right? It literally takes time off. We know this scientifically now, just how bad anxiety is for us. Um, And I would stand up here and read. I have like three pages of notes of all the negative effects that anxiety has on our bodies. But I think the last thing that God wants out of this message is to cause more anxiety. So I think that would probably cause a lot more harm than good. So we'll just skip that. We all know. We all know it's a bad thing. It's a negative thing. It impacts our health negatively. But even in light of that, all of us are sitting here probably thinking, we know it's a problem, we know it's bad, but none of us really have to be argued out of fear or anxiety, do we? Right? It's not something that we just actively have decided, you know what, I like this, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to worry about this. Most people are not in that situation. Most people are not in the situation where this is just something that they've chosen to do, and they just need to be told to stop, right? And so what do we do about it? if this is jesus's perspective if he gives us temptation to worry like a bird well then what we do about it i think is as jesus said in verse 33 where he says seek his kingdom his righteousness first i think this is really the call for us today that in the context of fear and anxiety jesus says to seek god's kingdom Seek the kingdom of God. And I think what this means is it's looking for direction, looking for answers, looking for help in the presence of God, in the person of God, right? Like maybe instead of thinking that this is all on us, this is something that we need to change or do or to focus, which oftentimes there are things that we could do, I think the start of dealing with fear, anxiety, worry is seeking God. I think it's being in his presence. If I were to completely oversimplify what the kingdom of God is, it's where God's presence dwells. It's where God is. And I think the most important place that we could ever be is in the presence of God. And you're probably aware, because I actually remind you a lot, because I want you to be aware of this, that this is actually the topic that I, talk, I have talked about more than anything else Since I've been here at Common Ground, and that is time with God. Being with God. And really, at the end of my life, if people are going to describe what I'm about, I would love for people to describe and say that I have been about spending time with God. Because I really do think that's number one. That's the most important thing. I think that is the fundamental call of what a human being is called to do, and that's be in God's presence and being with God. It's the foundation of a follower of Jesus, of a disciple. Pretty hard to follow if you're not with Him. Or I don't even know what follow would mean if you weren't with Him. But I think this is what we need in this situation to seek God's kingdom first, to seek God's presence, to be near to Him. And there are a lot of different ways that that we could lean into that. This could look like a variety of different things, especially if we think about seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness. But just to pull out one way that we can seek God's kingdom, that we can seek God's righteousness, I think the very simplest and the start is through prayer. I think it's through prayer. And I think we can seek his kingdom first in the fear and the worry and the anxiety by redirecting our worries or our worrying into praying. Philippians chapter 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Redirecting our worrying into praying. It was Eileen Norton-Smith who said that worrying is like praying to yourself for what you don't want. Okay, so let's redirect that. Let's instead pray to God for what we do want. And here is the good news if you are someone who does struggle a lot with worry, with fears, or anxieties. That if this becomes the pattern in your life, then you're going to be a person who prays an awful lot, won't you? (laughs) Yes. But honestly, like if we were to think about, look over your last week, and every single time that you worried over something, think about if every single moment then was praying to God and asking for what we want instead. That would be a lot of time with God, would it not? And I don't think we can spend that much time with God without being changed. So I think when the worry and the anxiety rises, the invitation of Jesus is to seek his kingdom first, it's to bring it to him, it's to bring it before him. Instead of feeling stuck in ourselves, of thinking that we just need to figure out this situation or solve this problem, The invitation is to seek his kingdom. The invitation is to seek his presence. The invitation is bring it before the one who can actually do something about it. But here's the thing. You know, when I pray, in my times of worry, stress, or anxiety, typically what I always want is just a resolution. It's a solution. I just want God. Here, here's my problem. Fix it. I'm worried about this thing. Fix it. Now, last week when we talked about prayer... At the end of our conversation on the Lord's Prayer, I brought up how when Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and they were hiding, God asked them, where are you? And he didn't ask them, where are you? Because they were really good at hide and seek and he didn't know where they were. But he asked them, because what did God want? He didn't just want solution, resolution here. He wanted relationship. Right? And we talked about how prayer is foundationally built on this relationship that we have with the Father. That's what God wants. He wants relationship and so when we pray to a god who already knows what we need especially when it comes to these fears these worries we have to recognize that we're being invited to relationship that's not just us going there to have this problem fixed it's not just us going there in order to seek resolution for this but god is the one inviting us as a loving father as a loving father who invites us into his presence and from that place everything is made put in perspective there is actually a lot of resolution but i think that's the invitation here that we can pray about our struggles we can bring them to god and he hears them and he listens to them hears them and he listens to them and i think especially as we consider this perspective shift that jesus has given us of god as a loving father He's not just the one who just wants to say, no, 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 just get over this. Just go out and figure it out on your own. But he's the one who loves us coming to him over and over with these things. He's the one who invites us in every situation, as it's said in Philippians. So I guarantee one of the situations you're worried about counts, but who invites us into his presence, into prayer. So every time you worry, that's an invitation to come to him in prayer. Seek God seek his kingdom first. And when we read these words, seek first my kingdom and all other things will be added to you. Just know that these are so much more than words on a page. I really do believe that this is something that he promises us that we can experience. This is a living, breathing reality of what God has for us. And I think we experience God's provision, we experience God's presence especially poignantly when we are actively seeking to bring his kingdom here on earth, when we are actively serving him, when we are following him the places that he calls us to go. And I know that serving God doesn't always lead to the easiest life. Obviously, we have to recognize that. If you read the stories of what happened to all the 12 disciples, didn't always go the easiest for them. But I also know that even in light of that, that God will often lead us into situations which are painful, hard, confusing, I know that if we do make God's business, God's work our focus, if we make his kingdom our focus, then we are in good hands. Then God will be the one taking care of us. And this is the promise that Jesus says here in this passage. That God says, seek my kingdom first, and all others, all these things will be added to you. That God knows what you need That he is your provider. That he is your provider. Now I have a friend named Willie. um, Who his life just kind of messes with my theology a lot. Because I really do believe that God often calls us into very difficult situations. Where we're going to follow him. And it's not going to look like we have the provision that we need from him. But nonetheless, he's going to lead us into that situation. And it's very possible that we're going to have to suffer for Jesus. Well, Willie is the kind of guy that just has miracles happen to him all the time. Uh, one time we were fundraising for a mission trip, and he just literally found an unmarked envelope with all the cash that he needed for that trip on the street. Uh, one time he was coordinating a Young Life um, outreach, or not Young Life outreach, but a Young Life retreat. He was coordinating it, and the speaker backed out at like the very last minute. He's on his way to the retreat, runs into Bob Goff, Tells Bob Goff about the situation, and Bob offers to be the speaker at the retreat. It's not really fair. So then, there was one time in recent history when Willie was sensing that God was calling him into a new season of life and ministry. He had been a youth pastor, and he's saying, you know, I think God's calling me to something else. I was kind of talking to him about what that might mean. And he was saying, well, what I really want to do is disciple high school football players and coaches. And I said, that's great. That sounds like an awesome volunteer opportunity and a great hobby. Um, but you'll probably also have to, like, get a job or do something else in ministry in order to do that. But he was committed. Nope, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to disciple high school football players and coaches. So he starts doing that. He starts having Bible studies, prayer meetings with some, like, teams from around his area. And, of course, like what typically happens with Willie, is there just happened to be a family of former NFL players who also had like a mildly successful musical career in Polynesia, who found out about his ministry and just said, whatever you want, we'll support you. Basically just gave him a blank check. Done. Everything supported. And so now he's been doing that for a few years, just discipling and mentoring high school football players and coaches. And God has provided in amazing ways. And this is why I have to tell him, like, dude, like, your life messes with my theology. Like, I don't know what to do with this. All these things keep being given to him as he seeks God's kingdom. And in a similar sense, actually, this last week, um, you know, we were hosting some of these biker missionaries from Pennsylvania, and we were happy to do it. These guys are seeking God's kingdom, and I want to be able to help and provide for them. But as they were staying with us, everything in our house just began to break and, like, fall apart. Like, literally everything. All the lights just started getting burnt out, um, some of our light switches just started, like, buzzing. And one of the guys who was staying with us is an electrician. He said, yeah, we need to fix that. Or it could burn down your house. I'm like, okay. The garage door starts acting up. The chain's, like, flying around the place. And then worst of all, the, the downstairs toilet in the basement where they're staying just decided to break. And not just break, but, like, all over the place. Every single part of the toilet was broken. Like, from the wall, everything. So the plumber came. He's going to have to replace the whole toilet. He's going to have to, like, patch up a little part of the wall. It does all this work, and I'm just thinking, wow, like, hosting missionaries is really expensive. Like, this is, <laughs> this is great. But, you know, trying not to worry about it, trying to just continue to serve. And then Lena reminded me that actually it was last Sunday at church that one of you, who I'm not going to embarrass, actually had just come up and handed us a check because, as we talked about prayer last week, you prayed, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and you sensed God calling you to give a check with a specific amount of money to us, and so you did. And the bill from the plumber was fairly significant, but that check was actually $10 more than the whole plumber's bill. But it was right there. And so I see that, and I'm kind of confused. Of like, this seems to say, seek God's kingdom first, and all other things will be added to you. And I know that you know as well as I do That we can't promise when we go off and seek God, when we go off to serve him, that everything will go well. We can't promise that everything is just going to be provided for you. But I do promise that if you place your life in God's hands, that you are in good hands. That if you seek his kingdom first, in some way, I do not think it's always going to be money because I have not experienced that much in my life. And I think the testimony of scripture is usually different. But in some senses, I think God is the one who provides in those ways. And maybe it's not the way that we expected it. Maybe our eyes have to be open to the perspective of his help that is invisible that we can't see, but he is with us and he is our provider. So I think in the face of our fears, our anxieties, our worries, we can seek his kingdom first. We can live with this greater sense of courage to follow him, even into the hard situations, and being willing to seek his kingdom first. So church in the face of our fears of Our anxieties of our worries Jesus offers you his perspective And my prayer for you this week is that he would open your eyes to that And when you get stuck in the hyper focus of something That is just eating you away dividing your heart and mind Would you ask? Jesus show me What you're doing in this show me what you see give me your perspective And church, because of that, I think we can worry like a bird. I think we can get on with seeking his kingdom. I think we can get on with the work that he's called us to do, knowing that he's with us and that he provides for us. And in the face of fear, worry, anxiety, all of that, we can move forward with courage to seek his kingdom first. So now I'm going to invite you to your feet as we pray and as we continue in worship. So, Father God, we just thank you for being a God who's with us, being a God who provides for us. I just pray um, for so many in this room who have experienced just the pain, the heartache that, that this fear, this worry, this anxiety can cause. God, We just pray for so many situations in the room. I pray that your spirit will be on each and every one of us today that we would see your call that we would see your invitation not as condemnation but as something that you're offering to do for us and so God we just come before you we come before you in your presence and I just ask that you would heal situations that so many of us have just thought would never be I ask that you would just show us a perspective of things you can see that we can't God I just pray that you would be close to us in this season I thank you for your word Thank you for addressing these things that rack our brains day to day and for being a God who enters into this with us. So now, Jesus, we turn to you in worship. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.